Hey, before we begin, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might be into. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls, hackers, and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel the giant mystery that is Russia with the help of those who know her best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former KGB spy. Join Global News Europe Bureau Chief Jeff Semple on a journey to find out how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. Listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying This Is Why. It almost makes me cry. It's, it's such a shame that they've taken such an iconic police force and turned it into this narcissistic harassing, bullying, abuse of power organization that actually hinders all the good officers on the front lines from being able to do the best of their jobs. Can the RCMP survive an internal culture fraught with problems? I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why. The number of sexual harassment allegations being leveled against the RCMP is soaring. In a list of problems, including frontline members complaining of being overtasked, underpaid and under-resourced, recruitment and retention issues, and a force spread too thin from small-town policing to counter-terrorism. With an escalating number of female Maoris claiming harassment, discrimination and sexual abuse. And so we are taking steps immediately this winter to put in place a new civilian management advisory board. The information is contained in an internal email obtained by Global News. Donahue recalled the two prior lawsuits focused on gender discrimination and it resulted in a $100 million settlement in 2016. This is new legal action that goes beyond sexism, saying no matter if you were a man or woman, bosses at the RCMP fostered a climate enabling bullying and harassment. Both the government of Canada and the RCMP are determined together to maintain a modern, healthy, safe and truly respectful work environment for all members and employees. Every time there is an inquiry, it's yet another nail in the coffin of the RCMP. There's almost a need to start over, to recognize that this was a police force of its time period, and you know, you can remember it in a museum. That poor sergeant was told to not tell the truth in order to protect the RCMP. This organization, unfortunately, has no morals or ethics. I don't think critical outrage from the public is going to necessarily make a difference, unfortunately, because they'll ride it out. It's the, the Disneyization of the RCMP is always going to, to win. Can you believe more than $220 million has been spent in the last two decades on trying to mend a culture of dysfunction within the RCMP? Now, that covers everything from sexual harassment lawsuits to human rights complaints, federal inquiries into nepotism, workplace bullying, just to mention a few places where that money went. 
Rob Gordon is a professor of criminology at Simon Fraser University. The Mounties are not one single organization per se. I mean, they have a variety of functions in Canada. It's a very large organization, as you know. Uh, in my view and the view of many others, it's too large. And their problems come from the fact that they are too large, too spread out, trying to be too many things to too many people. And they're not able to accomplish uh, what they should be accomplishing, which is a specialty in federal policing, uh, as a consequence of that dispersal of effort and resources. There's about 28,000 active personnel in the RCMP. They serve in more than 150 municipalities, 600 First Nations communities, three territories, and eight provinces. And a force that size and that spread out requires uniformity. I mean, you basically have a clear message uh, when you start. Um, conform or leave. There's no other middle ground. Um, you are joining this organization uh, right from the very beginning, from day one, we will train you to be RCMP officers. And that means that that's what you're going to be. It doesn't matter what you've been before or what you intend to be later. You've signed up for the RCMP. We will create a new human being. It's almost robotic. And that creates frustrations for a lot of people who are going in with uh, a more critical eye certainly want to be mounted so they can make a difference. But when they get in, they realize that in fact, uh, it's a very rigid organization. It tolerates no deviance and that will punish in different ways those who stray from the straight and narrow. To take a deeper look at the problems within the RCMP organization, Global News did an investigative report led by Jane Gerster. Uh, my name is Jane Gerster, and I'm a national features reporter with Global News, and I am currently investigating the RCMP. So let's go back to the 1980s, because it was around that time that we heard about the first big sexual harassment case in the force, right? Yeah, that's when Alice Clark made the decision that she was going to sue the force. Alice Clark is a British Columbia woman. She uh, always wanted to be a Mountie. She's one of those people who kind of grew up, you know, thinking I want to wear the red serge. And when she was growing up, you couldn't be a Mountie as a woman. So realistically, it was a totally far-fetched dream until all of a sudden they started letting members in and then, you know, a couple of years after that, Alice became a Mountie. And then she basically realized that the force was pretty awful to women. So on the more minor end, she, you know, people would leave plastic breasts on her desk, they would make comments, her supervisor would call all of her colleagues by name, but then he'd say, hey dearie, how's it going, and sort of pat her on the shoulder, um, you know, people saying, oh yeah, you are pretty, or oh, you need to go home and have a baby, or a woman's place is at home, or, you know, get out of here and let a real man take this job. So that's kind of the, the verbal the verbal issues that she experienced, but then it also just grew. She. Uh, was sort of left left hanging 
in certain in certain cases. So she'd you know go out and you know be responding to a call or be trying to track down a suspect, and she'd radio in for backup. And you know she sort of details, and it's quite heartbreaking that no one came. You know, and she talks about how you know sometimes she would you know she would radio in and ask for help and then no one would come and then she'd go back and she'd get yelled at for not radioing in for help and at a certain point you know she says the radio operators just stopped telling people that she needed help because they knew nobody would come and that's you know that's basically what she describes going on and on and when she finally when she finally left she was just heartbroken i mean she talks about giving in her red surge which was the piece of the mounty the iconic mounty uniform that she just really really adored when did it really become apparent to the public that the rcmp truly had a culture problem depends on who you ask i mean if we're looking from a sexual harassment perspective that really started to come out um, in 2011 with women like janet merlo and katherine galliford I don't, you know, I think from a sexual harassment perspective, that started to become something that was hard for people to ignore, um, only really in the last five, five or so years. And then in terms of, you know, broader cultural issues, I think that really came to the fore in 2007 with David Brown's um, investigation into the pension fund scandal, because he actually came out and said, you know, RCMP management is horribly broken. Coming up later in this episode. The ways in which trying to do the right thing when it didn't seem to benefit the force publicly really wrecked his career to the extent that his wife says he just couldn't, he just couldn't cope anymore and that he killed himself. You're listening to This Is Why, a national radio show and global news podcast. Download and subscribe now. In 2016, RCMP Commissioner Bob Paulson offered an apology to the thousands of women who suffered sexual harassment while on the job. Some of these women left the RCMP heartbroken, disillusioned, and angry. Others stayed and were forced to find ways on their own to cope with this inexcusable condition, since they did not see an organization that was willing to change. Still others courageously tried to make themselves heard by management, only to find they were denied movement and opportunity or judged adversely and punished within the RCMP for their efforts. And on behalf of every leader, supervisor, or manager, every commissioner, I stand humbly before you today and solemnly offer our sincere apology. But sexual harassment is just part of the problem. It was exposed that the RCMP has a culture of workplace bullying and covering up scandal. That ultimately led to the death of Sergeant Pierre Lemaitre. His suicide prompted an inquiry that revealed a new level of corruption in the force. It was during the wildfires of 2003 in the interior when things really heated up on a personal level between Pierre Lemaitre and his immediate supervisor, Staff Sergeant Grant Learned. 
Both were media spokespersons. A reporter had complained to Lemaitre that she felt learned was sexually harassing her. Lemaitre wrote a report, and the next day he was relocated to another detachment. Sheila Lemaitre testified that the sudden transfer in 2003 really bothered her husband. Four years later, Lemaitre was called to handle media in the Jakansky affair, where he was handed talking points that the next day he realized were inaccurate and insisted to his superiors that they be corrected. That poor sergeant was told to not tell the truth in order to protect the RCMP. This organization, unfortunately, has no morals or ethics. Testifying via Skype was Atoya Montague, who was the communications strategist during all of this. She testified he, Lemaitre, was ordered to not correct it. He was helpless, so distraught. She said crying, she recalled Lemaitre saying, you can't hang me out like this, and she said, they knowingly did. She described it as the biggest institutional betrayal in her 15 years. There's no doubt his suicide was because of this. On the day that Bill Bentley was found not guilty of perjury for his role in Robert Jakansky's airport death, Pierre Lemaitre was hanging himself in the basement of his home. His wife, a retired RCMP member with significant disabilities due to a previous horse riding accident, found him. She tried using scissors to cut him down, but wasn't strong enough, so she started sawing at the rope. It was so slow and I tried to hold him, but when the last thread let go, he landed in my arms. His head hit the floor with a thump. It's something I'll always remember. She was crying as she said this. Tetranaki Global News. Here's Global News reporter Jane Gerster. Yes, that's a pretty, it's, it's a heartbreaking story as well. I sound like a broken record there, but, you know, if you, I, I've been through the letter that he, that he wrote, um, applying for a veterans affairs pension, you know, sat through the testimony of his, his widow and kind of gone through as many of the documents and watched as many of the clips as I can. And, you know, he, by, you know, by the accounts of those who worked with him and by, by the letters he wrote, was just such a principled person who really joined the force again, like Alice Clark, because it was a lifelong dream and he wanted to do the right thing and he wanted to help people. And he talks about, you know, the ways in which trying to do the right thing when it didn't seem to benefit the force publicly really wrecked his career to the extent that his wife says he just couldn't, he just couldn't cope anymore and that he killed himself. And you've had a conversation with a former RCMP member, Lawrence Chung, and he also discussed with you a lot of the frustrations that he felt related to the force that drove him away as well. Yeah. So what's really interesting about Lawrence Chung to me is, you know, he kind of describes himself as not the Mountie that you would ever see very much an under the radar guy who's not walking around in red surge and who's not on your TV. I'm not a high profile Mountie. I wasn't sexually harassed or anything. I don't have a civil suit or anything like that. Um, I'm not on the news. I was just an operational sergeant trying to do my job in the RCMP and holding people accountable for their time and actions. Basically, I was prevented from doing that job. He says he just, he learned through the force that kind of one incident, and this is kind of how he describes it, can really follow you around. That again, like doing the, the right thing as Pierre Lemaitre kind of talks about can really have a negative impact on your career and for him you know he went public about allegations that were brought to him about hot tubbing with witnesses drinking with witnesses in a major kidnapping case 
it's the general public and the taxpayers that really should have concerns because the RCMP is, their priority there is to look after themselves. Uh, members are there to do as little work as possible and get as much overtime as they can. You got members who go shopping on company time during on duty, I've seen this, or long-term off-duty sick, involved in grievances, frivolous code of conducts, harassments, civil suits, class action lawsuits. Um, this is all costing the taxpayers money. And he he's just struggling still even now, and it's really apparent from the conversations we've had with with how you're trained in the force to do the right thing and to speak up when you see something bad happening. And he, you know, he just kind of had his hands up being like, that's what I did. You know, how am I here? He wanted to get to 25 years and he ultimately quit at 21. So I think Lawrence's case is really indicative of some of the internal struggles. And if this is happening to me, it's probably happening to other people across the country as well too. Now, there have been commissions in an attempt to change the force, but how have those commissions panned out? Well, they've been very expensive and they have been long lasting and they've covered a wide variety of issues. Um, not all explicitly saying up front, you know, let's talk about how the man, the RCMP is run, although ultimately they all touch on, on that. Um, and I think really, how those commissions have gone depends on who you ask. Um, some of them have just, people have been furious with kind of the end result. Some have been furious with the process and said it hasn't even gotten into kind of the, the root of the issues. And I think at the end of the day, the underlying concern or the, the repeating concern for a lot of Mounties is that they don't seem to go anywhere. I mean, I, I spoke with Janet Merlo, who is one of the two women who's, who are part of the, kind of the head of the Merlot-Davidson $100 million sexual harassment um, settlement from 2016 that's still sort of being dealt with, you know, and she was so frustrated because, you know, she knows so many people who have participated in so many of these commissions and inquiries. I think she was mentioning one of her friends had been to almost a dozen and her, she herself had, you know, spoken before the Senate and spoken before Parliament and spoken before numerous courts and she's just kind of sitting here now going, what, you know, when are they going to deal with it? Like, we have all these roadmaps from these commissions. They offer up really good roadmaps and things to consider that, that many feel have just sort of been left there collecting dust. In 2001, there was a $10 million federal APEC inquiry. Then in 2006, the Auditor General's probe into the pension fund scandal, that cost $250,000. Also in 2006 was the O'Connor Commission, that came with a price tag of $15.2 million. Then there was the $5.3 million Braidwood Inquiry, the $31.95 million Air India Inquiry, and the $9.8 million Missing Women Inquiry. The $214,000 Sheila Fraser Workplace Review came in 2017. The CRCC Harassment Report in 2017 as well. That cost $600,000, just to name a few of the inquiry and commission reports from the past few years. Commissioned report after commissioned report and inquiry after inquiry. 
yet nothing significant seems to have changed. So is it time to get rid of the RCMP altogether? Here's Robert Gordon, a criminologist at Simon Fraser University. We can continue to use our icon. They can, as I say, they can form circles on the backs of $50 bills. They can go out and charge around in people's parks and everyone can go, yay, the Mounties, right? But leave them at that ceremonial level and let's let real policing take place uh, in other contexts with um, real resources that aren't being wasted on, uh, on all these... Um, unfortunate events that occur and require money to hold uh, all sorts of inquiries. I mean, every, every time there is an inquiry, it's yet another nail in the coffin of the RCMP. But they're a most remarkable organisation. Their resilience is incredible. I don't think critical outrage from the public is going to necessarily make a difference, unfortunately, because they'll ride it out. It's the, the Disneyization of the RCMP is always going to to win. There is currently a number of cases involving the RCMP before the courts. A workplace harassment class action lawsuit in Quebec, as well as another proposed workplace class action lawsuit that's seeking $1.1 billion. There's a proposed class action lawsuit over the RCMP's handling of missing and murdered Indigenous women investigations, seeking $600 million. A $600 million class action lawsuit over the RCMP's treatment of indigenous people in the North. And a $135 million proposed class action lawsuit over members harassed and sexually assaulted by RCMP doctors. Which poses another question. Is it simply too expensive to keep the flawed RCMP? This is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. Give us a rating and a review and tell your friends about the show as well. We're on Twitter at This Is Why, and you can always send us an email, thisiswhy at curiouscast.ca. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.